We're in the uh, third week of a series called Whoops. Whoops. What kind of a title is that? Whoops. Well, actually, where it came from was the idea that uh, Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees who were church leaders. And um, one of the things he had to say to them was, whoops, whoops, guys. And, and here's what was behind that. Jesus loved the Pharisees. The Pharisees were New Testament Jewish church leaders. And Jesus loved them. He loved their zeal and he loved their passion. He loved how, you know, committed they were to God. But as they were loving God as best they knew how, they kept slipping off the way. And Jesus would have to come and go, whoops, guys, you've become legalistic. Whoops, guys. And today what the teaching team had for me to teach was, you missed the point. And what that actually means is um, you made big things out of little things and you missed the big things I was saying. And the reason we're excited about this uh, series is because we have a church full of church leaders. And you might not raise your hand. If I said, would the church leaders in the room raise their hand, most of you wouldn't raise your hand. I mean, our board members would raise their hand and all that. But I want to tell you, you fit the target Jesus was teaching to. If you uh, handed out bulletins any time last year, you're a church leader. If you helped park cars, if you held babies, if you worked in VBS. In fact, if you're in this room and you, like, got your family here, you're a church leader. So this isn't for some small group of people in the church. This is like a big series. So Jesus loved the Pharisees, but when he got angry, it was almost always with them. The religious leaders in his day, they twisted really good things into beliefs and actions that ended up hurting people, including themselves and pushing others away from God. So whoops is this series of four patterns that the Pharisees fell into. I bet most of you have fallen into them, and, I'm, and I've fallen into them too. So um, uh, the Gospels are filled with stories about whoops, you missed the point. And today, I'm going to use four scriptures to point out four places where Jesus did this. Um, but there could be, there are more than 40 places where Jesus taught this theme. And the, the theme is stick to the big things, don't miss the point. And so uh, let's begin with Matthew 23. Here's the verse. Now, in Matthew 23, chapter 23 begins by saying, Jesus is teaching his disciples and the crowds. That's who he's talking to. But you know who he's talking about? The Pharisees. And so we get to chapter, verse 23, and Jesus says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, remember, he loves these guys. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important parts of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. Justice, faithful, merciness. Without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Jesus was graphic sometimes. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, you could summarize this by saying, hey, Pharisees, you tithed, but you missed the point. Okay, now, in the chapter before this, chapter 22, 
in verse 34. We're going to read this second scripture. Here it is, 2234. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, which is another group of church leaders, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's this sentence that is unbelievable. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. If this is your life, and what a good-looking life it is, um, this is your life, and Jesus said, okay, the Pharisees came and said, okay, what's important to put into my life? And Jesus said this, well, the first rock you need to put in there, the first thing that has to go in there is love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you only have one thing in your life, that's it. Love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he actually gave them a freebie because they didn't ask what number two was. But he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he said, you know, all the rest of the laws and the prophets and all the things you might want to do, they're like little rocks. And if you get the first two big ones right, the little ones will follow. Oh my goodness, did he really mean that? Let me, let me just read it again a minute. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Get these two right. One theologian actually said it this way. Love God, love your neighbor fully, deeply, and do anything else you want. Because these two will drive your life in a great direction. Again, like I said, Jesus taught this point over and over and over and over and over again. Here's another time he did it. In fact, Jesus actually, I don't know if you know this, he liked to relax sometimes. And he had a couple places he went when he relaxed. And one of those places that he went to when he relaxed several times in the Gospels was the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. In fact, uh, we have Easter coming up. The, and that's called Holy Week. The, the couple days before Holy Week, do you know where Jesus relaxed to get ready? This home. And so, um, uh, let me read to you from Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Quit, quit sitting here listening to you. Tell her to get over in the kitchen. Help me. I got stews to make and breads to bake and dishes to wash. It's not in there, but it's what she's saying. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken from her. Martha comes to Jesus and says, there's this thing, it's called service. Jesus, I'm in the kitchen serving you like it's really important. Would you tell Mary to come and serve you too in the kitchen? And what does Jesus say? He says, no, I won't do it. There's only one top thing. And it's what Mary's doing. She's sitting here at my feet, spending time with me, listening to me. I won't tell her to pick up a little rock in place of the big rock. Now, this is interesting to me at Orchard because we are a huge service church. I mean, how many times have I stood on this stage and said, every person in this church needs to pick up a paddle? And if you don't pick up a paddle and start helping us with this uh, whitewater thing we're doing for Jesus, you're going to get knocked out of the raft. And sometimes I've gone so far as to say, maybe I'd throw you out of the raft. Uh, and so Jesus is saying to me and to you, service is important. Nothing wrong with what uh, Mary's doing in the kitchen, but it's not a big rock. And so if you came and you're serving, I'm all about it. I love service. Jesus loves service. Service helps us grow, but it's not one of the two big rocks. So when we put it in, let's remember where it fits. Mark 3. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Oh, my. Trouble's coming. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Oh, my. Not the Sabbath, Jesus. That, they, that was one of their giant rocks. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. This amazes me about Jesus. He could have done this healing back in the shadowy corner. But Jesus didn't work that way. When he was trying to help the Pharisees understood, he said to the man, he said, hey, come right up here front and stand in the spotlight. Then Jesus asked the Pharisees, which is lawful on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Well, Jesus knew the answer, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Anyone who God puts in your path who has a need. That's his definition of neighbor. Anyone God puts in your path who has a need. So here's a man with a shriveled hand who would like to be healed. He's Jesus' neighbor. Jesus looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they could kill Jesus. Honoring the Sabbath was a huge part of the Jewish deal. And Jesus was bringing a new message. And he was saying, love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Sabbath takes second place. Because first love the Lord, second love your neighbor, then comes the Sabbath. They got so mad at him about that one 
that they made plans to kill him. Now, here's the deal about this teaching. is uh, It's very, very practical. Now, I want to get to some of the practical parts of this. And uh, uh, I'm going to use my own family, who, by the way, is all here this morning. And they said, be careful what you say, Dad. Uh, Practical stuff. So I'm going to start with uh, another rock. This is rock baptism. Last Sunday, we had some baptisms. They were beautiful. I was excited about them. I did some baptisms at the other end, infant baptisms. Well, our family, we have a lot of theological opinions about baptism. I have grandkids who were baptized as infants. I have grandkids who were dedicated, and one day they'll be baptized themselves. I have... uh, I have uh, uh, grandkids who uh, were planning and probably are to be baptized at the lake at George With or Doug's Pool. You know, we have a, uh, dedications, prayer. I mean, we have a lot of opinions. And some people make theological things like baptism too big of a rock. And so in our family one day, uh, Emily was having her second child, Ayla, baptized in the front of a Lutheran church in Cedar Rapids. And so our whole family is there sitting in the seats. And we've had whiteboard topics. We've had two, three, four-hour discussions with each other, animated, about baptisms. And so the pastor's up front in his robe. He's holding Ayla. And he's just about ready to do it. And he looks over at our family. And he goes, now, does anyone have any questions about infant baptism? (laughs) I'm sitting in the seats. And I know the questions can go on for about five hours while he's holding Ayla. And my daughter, Em, who's in the front seat, stands up, turns around, looks at her three brothers, and says, my brothers have no questions about baptism. (laughs) She sits down, and the pastor says, okay, I baptize Ayla. He had no clue what he was waiting in. He had no clue. Uh, our family works because we understand the big rock is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, and baptism is a small rock. It's important, and you need to decide what's right for you. And we as a church, you know, we're okay with whatever you go to God's word and decide. I mean, that's why we do so many forms of baptism. And because we, we, we actually think this, what Jesus said, is true. Well, we got another one. I mean, I could go on, really, for too long. Uh, in our family, we have differences of theological opinion about the, like, headship leadership of a man in a family, in a church. Uh, 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 you know, I always tell you we're a close family, but we're close, but we have differences of opinions. And so we, we have differences of opinion about this. And then one day, one of my sons came to all of us and said, you know what's really interesting is we have differences of opinion about this issue. But if you look at our lives and you look at our families, you can hardly tell any difference. And you know why? Because we understand servant leadership. That whatever you think a man is, a wife and a husband need to servant lead each other 
And if you understand that, which is, by the way, part of this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's not that big. Now, there's another one. I hesitate to go into this one. Recently, we had an election. Our family made a host of decisions <laughs> about how they would vote, of which we had many whiteboard moments. How big is that rock? All I know is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is anyone who God puts in your path who has a need, whether he's Democrat or Republican or Independent or whatever the other parties are. It can't be a big rock. Jesus recruited disciples out of several political points of view that were very opposed. Linda and I have been pretty huge on uh, tithing. Uh, when we were 20, we were challenged to tithe, which means give 10% or more of your income back to God. And there have been times where I've made it a bigger rock than it should be, even as a leader in this church. Where I mean, I've just believed in it. I've seen the good of it. I've seen how God has blessed us. I believe in tithing. And Jesus even said tithing is important. But remember, it's not a big rock. Five or ten years ago, we started using a phrase about Orchard to help people understand who we were. And we started, we coined the phrase, Orchard is a big tent church. And as the teachers and leaders of Orchard saw what I was teaching, they said, Dave, would you t talk about what that means in comparison to this? And it's really simple. It's really simple. We do believe God has called us tapped us on the shoulder as a church to be a big tent church, which means we're going to put most of our energy in helping people love God and helping people love their neighbor. And we're not going to put as much energy into all of these other smaller rocks. And in fact, we're going to celebrate when we have people on the teaching team and people on our church board and people in our congregation who have different points of view about a particular thing. We're gonna celebrate that. We're not going to say, we only want people who believe this about baptism in our place. We're not gonna say, we only want people who believe this about politics in our place. We are not. In fact, we're gonna celebrate just like Jesus chose disciples with varying points of view, we're going to celebrate that when it comes to the little rocks, we actually like having a multitude of biblical opinions. And we're going to put our emphasis on love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, in fact, we have that. We have board members and teaching team who are making different choices about the baptisms of their kids. We have uh, uh, difference of opinions about worship, how traditional, how many elements should be in it, all that. We, 
and we celebrate that, and we try to be the best church we can be in that. Now, when I first taught this at Waverly, a couple young couples came up to me and said, well, Dave, aren't there any non-negotiables? And yes, there are. There are six non-negotiables. They're mostly about Jesus, and you can find them on our website under the banner, What Do We Believe? But still, we're going to hold on to the two big rocks. Uh, one other thing. Uh, we, uh, Jeff and a team, Doug and Brian, uh, I was on the team, uh, redid our mission a few years ago. And so I hope you know our mission, helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. And in that whole process, there was a thing we haven't really gone public with yet. I'm going public with it this morning. And then... Uh, at some point in the future, we're going to have a teaching series on this. How do you know if you're actually doing that? How do you know if you're actually helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world? And we came up with what's called marks or outcomes that we're going to be looking at the congregation. You don't look at how many people come to worship. I mean, that's an important number, but that's not going to help us with how are we doing and chasing after what Jesus wants for us. So we have these missional marks, I think, yeah. And uh, we're going to, if we could have a congregation, including next generations, but we need the older generations too because they're the ones who are mentoring and modeling and leading the way. So number one, we're going to look at, do you understand your love by God? Do you actually deeply understand you're loved by God? Because most of the good of our lives in serving Jesus comes out of the fact that we understand we're loved by God. So can we understand that we're loved? And then, second thing, outcome we're going to look at. And remember, this is related to these two big rocks. The second thing we're going to look at is this. Are you loving God back? The Bible says, he loved me before I loved him. He loved me while I was still in sin. And as I receive that love, will I love God back? And then, will I be loving myself? And that's Jesus' idea. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Why do you have to love yourself? Because if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. Love yourself, then love your neighbor, then love your enemies. This is huge, and we'll be uh, doing this, but it fits so well in this, and then I just want to say a word about this. Uh, you know, uh, we're still living through the days of uh, the tragic loss of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, and we're not past it at all, at all. Um, I was visiting with a friend the other morning, and... Um, I said, you know, three months after the tragedy, I spoke to the church up at the Gallagher Blue Dorn, and I said, the time to build your house on the rock is before the storm comes. And true, totally true. Now, you know, 15 months later, what I'm understanding about God's love is he himself has been holding my feet to that rock. If you picture a rock and a storm, and you're standing on the rock, and you're just standing there, you know, what's the number one worry? 
that you'll slip off. That the rock is solid, but your feet will slip off. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself downstream because your feet slipped off. And so I've been asking myself, why haven't my feet slipped off? And I'm convinced God's held my feet to the rock. That's his love. And so I want to love him back. And I want to love him deeply. I don't want to love neighbors, and I want to love enemies. And that's how this whole thing works. And so my friend said, well, how do you know he's holding your feet to the rock? And I didn't have an answer that morning, and I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks. You know how I know? Because they're still on the rock. And in my own power, I know I would have slipped off. And a lot of you either are or have been having the experience. You believe in God. You have your, many of you, your, much of your life. But Jesus is holding your feet to the rock. And he's helping you. And we always, when we love God, we're loving him back. We're always loving him back after he first loved us. Okay, I'll pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to come and to hear your words and to think them through and to have your spirit whisper to us, really, whisper things to us that we need to hear. Um. Thank you for the words of Jesus that give direction to our lives and our church. Thank you for your promises that that song we sang, uh, your promises are yes and amen. Yes and so be it. Uh, thank you for that song and that reminder that you will always be faithful, you will always keep your promises. Help us leave here encouraged by something in this service and a touch closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.